This book is Heaven on Earth by Thomas Brooks Puritan um, from the Puritan Paperbacks series which is published by Banner of Truth. Now, the first part here is the Epistle to the Saints. To all saints that hold to Christ the head and that walk according to the laws of the new creature, grace, mercy and peace be multiplied from God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved in our dearest Lord, you are those worthies of whom this world is not worthy, Hebrews 11.38. You are the princes that prevail with God, Genesis 32 verse 28. You are those excellent ones in whom is all Christ's delight, Psalm 16 verse 3. You are his glory, you are his picked, culled, prime instruments, which he will make use of to carry on his best and greatest work against his worst and greatest enemies in these latter days. You are a seal upon Christ's heart. You are engraven upon the palms of his hands. Your names are written upon his breast, as the names of the children of Israel were upon Aaron's breastplate. You are the epistle of Christ. You are the anointed of Christ. You have the spirit of discerning. You have the mind of Christ. You have the greatest advantages and the choicest privileges to enable you to try truth, to taste truth, to apply truth, to defend truth, to strengthen truth, to uphold truth and to improve truth. And therefore, to whom should I dedicate this following discourse but to yourselves? You have the next place to Christ in my heart. Your good, your gain, your glory, your edification, your satisfaction, your confirmation, your consolation, your salvation, have put me upon casting in my little, little might into your treasure. Beloved, you know that in the time of the law, God did as kindly accept of goats, hair and badger skins, of turtle doves and young pigeons, they being the best things that some of his children had then to offer, as he did accept of gold, jewels, silk and purple from others. I hope you will show the same godlike disposition towards me in a kind accepting of what is offered in this treatise to your wise and serious consideration. I could wish it better for your sakes, yet such as it is, I do in all love and humility present you with, desiring the Lord to make it an internal and eternal, internal and eternal advantage to you. I shall briefly acquaint you with the reasons that have moved unworthy me, whom the least of all saints, who am not worthy to be reckoned among the saints, to present this following discourse to public view. First, to answer the desires and gratify the earnest and pious requests of several precious souls who long to have these things printed upon their hearts by the hand of the Spirit that are printed in this book. God speaks aloud through the serious and affectionate desires of the saints, and this hath made me willing to echo their desires. If great men's desires are to be looked upon as commands, why should men, could men's desires be looked upon with a squint eye? Seneca, a heathen, could say that ipsi aspectus boni vire delectat. The very looks of a good man delight one. How much more, then, should the desires of a good man overcome one? Secondly, 
the good acceptance, the fair quarter that my labours of the like nature have found among those that fear the Lord, especially that treatise called Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices, hath encouraged me to present this to public view, not doubting, but that the Lord will bless it to the good of many, as I know he hath done the former. Which, that he may, I shall not cease to pray, that my weak service may be accepted of the saints, and that their love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all sense. Philip 1, verses 9-11 to 11. That they may approve things that are excellent, that they may be sincere and without offence till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. <clears throat> Thirdly, it is exceeding useful to the saints at all times, but especially in changing times, in times wherein everyone calls out, Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? And the watchman answereth, The morning cometh, and also the night. Isaiah 21, verses 11 and 12. Ah, Christians, the Lord is a shaking heaven and earth. He is sustaining the pride of all glory. He is sustaining his garments with the blood of his enemies. He is renting and tearing. He is burning and breaking. He is pulling up and throwing down. Jeremiah 45, verses 4 and 5. Now in the midst of all these turmoils and revolutions, thrice happy are those souls that have gained a well-grounded assurance of celestial things. Hebrews, Hebrews 10.34 Such souls will not faint, sink, nor shrink in an hour of temptation. Such souls will keep their garments pure and white, and will follow the Lamb wheresoever he goes. Revelation 3 verse 4 and 14 verse 4 Assurance is a believer's ark where he sits, no alike quiet and still in the midst of all distractions and destructions, commotions and confusions. They are doubly miserable that have ne neither heaven nor earth, temporals nor eternals, made sure to them in changing times. Psalm 23 verses 3 and 4. Revelation 6 verse 12. The fourth ground of my presenting this treatise to public view is that little well-grounded assurance that is to be found among most Christians. Most Christians live between fears and hopes and hang, as it were, between heaven and hell. Sometimes they hope that their state is good, at other times they fear that their state is bad. Now they hope that all is well and that it shall go well with them forever. Anon they fear they shall perish by the hand of such a corruption or by the prevalency of such or such a temptation. And so they are like a ship in a storm tossed here and there. Now that these weak souls may be strengthened, that these unstable souls may be established, that these disconsolate souls may be comforted, I have presented this tract to the world, not doubting, but that if the Lord shall draw out their spirits to a serious perusal of it, they shall find through the blessing of Jehovah that it will contribute very much to their attaining a full assurance of their everlasting happiness and blessedness, as also to the keeping and maintaining of that full and blessed assurance, which, that it may, I shall follow it with my prayers. Fifthly, I have published this following discourse, remembering that my life is but a vanishing vapour, James 4 verse 14 and that the time of my sojourn in this world will be but short, Psalm 34, 39 verse 12. 
Man's life is so short that Austin doubteth whether to call it a dying life or a living death. Man's life is but the shadow of smoke, the dream of a shadow. This present life is not vita sed ad vitam, life but emotion, a journey towards life, Bernard. The life of a Christian is rather via, journey, than vita, life. A step towards life rather than life, a step towards life rather than life. Yet do I believe that that is not a death, but life that joins the dying man to Christ. And that is not a life, but death, that separates the living man from Christ. I know I shall not speak long to friends, saints or sinners, therefore I was the more willing to take the opportunity of preaching to you when I am dead. As Abel by his faith, he being dead yet speaketh, Hebrews 11 verse 4. So this treatise may speak and live when I shall return to my long home and fall asleep in the bosom of Christ. Christ's prophets and apostles, though they are now in heaven, yet by their doctrines, examples and writings, they still preach to the saints on earth. Ziska desired his skin might serve the Bohemians in their wars, when his body could do no more. Oh, that poor I, that have been but a little serviceable to the saints in my life, might by this and my former weak labours be much serviceable to them after my death. Books may preach when the author cannot, when the author may not, when the author dares not, yea, and which is more, when the author is not. Sixthly, to testify my cordial love and affection to all the true lovers of Christ, and to let them know that they are all, though under different forms, precious in my eyes, and very near and dear unto my heart, I bless God I am and I desire more and more to be one with every one that is one with Christ. Philippians 4 verse 21, Colossians 1 verse 4, 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3. I would fain have as free, as large and as sweet a heart towards saints as Christ hath. For a wolf to worry a lamb is usual, but for a lamb to worry a lamb is unnatural. For Christ's lilies be among thought, to be among thorns is ordinary, but for these lilies to become thorns, to tear and fetch blood of one another, is monstrous and strange. Ah, Christians, can Turks and pagans agree? Can Herod and Pilate agree? Can Moab and Ammon agree? Can bears and lions, can wolves and tigers agree? Yea, which is more, can a legion of devils agree in one body? And shall not the saints whom heaven must hold at last agree? Pansirolus tells us that the most precious pearl the Romans had was called unity. Oh, the union of saints is an invaluable pearl. The heathen man, by the light of nature, could say that the thickest wall of a city in peace and the safest rampire in war is unity. Verily, all saints are one in Christ. All saints partake of the same spirit, promises, graces and privileges. All saints are fellow members fellow soldiers, fellow travellers, fellow heirs, fellow sufferers and fellow citizens. Therefore I cannot, dare not, but love them all and prize them all. And to evidence it, I have decided, I have dedicated this treatise to the service of their souls. Seventhly and lastly, to fence and fortify the souls of real serious Christians against those brain-sick notions and those airy speculations and imaginary revelations and enthusiastical fancies by which many are sadly deluded and deceived, even, I would have almost said to their eternal overthrow, 
Thus I have given you a brief account of the reasons that have prevailed with me to publish this treatise to the world and to de dedicate it to yourselves. Let your hearts dwell on truth as the bee doth upon the flower, every truth being a flower, a paradise that is more worth than a world. Now the God of all grace fill your hearts and souls with all the fruits of righteousness and holiness that you may attain unto a full assurance of your everlasting happiness and blessedness which that you may is the sincere earnest and constant desire of him who is your sole servant Thomas Brooks. Now this was um, published I think first in see if it tells you published first in 1654. Uh, the next little section here, just very short, is the preface. The preface, touching the nature of assurance. To be in a state of true grace is to be miserable no more. It is to be happy forever. A soul in this state is a soul near and dear to God. It is a soul much beloved and very highly valued of God. It is a soul housed in God. It is a soul safe in the in everlasting arms. It is a soul fully and eminently interested in all the highest and noblest privileges. The being in a state of grace makes a man's condition happy, safe and sure. But the seeing and knowing of himself to be in such a state is that which renders his life sweet and comfortable. The being in a state of grace will yield a man a heaven hereafter. But the seeing of himself in this state will yield him both a heaven here and a heaven hereafter. It will render him doubly blessed, blessed in heaven and blessed in his own conscience. Now assurance is a reflex act of a gracious soul, whereby he clearly and evidently sees himself in a gracious, blessed and happy state. It is a sensible feeling and an experimental discerning of a man's being in a state of grace and of his having a right to a crown of glory, and this rises from the seeing in himself the special, peculiar and distinguishing graces of Christ in the light of the Spirit of Christ or from the testimony and report of the Spirit of God. The Spirit bearing witness with his Spirit that he is a son and an heir apparent to glory. Romans 8, 16 and 17. It is one thing for me to have grace. It is another thing for me to see my grace. It is one thing for me to believe, and another thing for me to believe that I do believe. It is one thing for me to have faith, and another thing for me to know that I have faith. Now assurance flows from a clear, certain, evident knowledge that I have grace, and that I do believe. Now this assurance is the beauty and top of a Christian's glory in this life. It is usually attended with the strongest joy, with the sweetest comforts, and with the greatest peace. It is a pearl that most want a crown that few wear. His state is safe and happy, whose soul is adorned with grace, though he sees it not, though he knows it not. Assurance is not of the essence of a Christian. It is required to the bene esse, the well-being, to the comfortable and joyful being of a Christian, but it is not required to the s of being a Christian. A man may be a true believer and yet would give all the world were it in his power to know that he is a believer. To have grace and to be sure that we have grace is glory upon the throne. It is heaven on this side heaven. But more of these things you will find in the following discourse to which I refer you. And this is really, really interesting. A person can be a Christian yet lack assurance. A person can be a Christian yet not see it. A person can be a Christian and have saving faith in Jesus Christ 
it's struggle at that point of assurance. This is real importance of interest to every Christian. And um, I think the coming pages are going to be very interesting. Very good. Amen.